0: Life's good. Never
1: off. Whoa! Hard. Hardly Come on, friends. Life's good. Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they
0: have. Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott.
1: Alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, welcome home. Welcome home. You've been away. Uh, I hear you're pretty tired.
0: Yeah, a little, little tired here. As we record this, I've slept uh, 15 of the last 20 hours, and I'm doing everything I can to prop myself up in this chair that I'm sitting in. Normally, I stand when I do this,
1: but not so much today. feels like a sitting kind of day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Sean, you you said to me, you know what? I've slept so much. I've got a lot of energy, a lot <laughs> yeah. of energy to bring to the show. Uh, so we're going to give you a lot of energy today uh, talking about the World Men's Curling Championship that just wrapped up and maybe briefly about the Grand Slam that's starting. Apparently started yesterday, but uh, there's no video. TV. not, on, of it. t- not yeah. on TV, so we don't know anything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we can uh, we can bring it and uh, talk about it. Well, you know who else brought it, Scott, is your new world
0: champion, Bruce Mowat from Scotland. They get their first Worlds. It's weird. It feels like they've been around a while, but they really haven't, just Mm -hmm. five years or so uh, at the front line. So it hasn't been that long of a a drought, if you even want to call it a drought, but they did achieve their goal of a world championship, beating Canada in the final. You were in the building, Scott. and. I went through, you were texting back and forth with the guys from Rocks Across the Pond. And I saw them all later. But at one point, you put something like, uh, there's a lot of energy in the building. And you attached a video of people being utterly silent.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it uh, it wasn't meant to come off that way. I swear that people were chanting uh, <laughs> Scotland, mm-hmm. Scott. Uh, there, so there was quite a bit of energy in the building. The Scottish fans were great with their cheers. And then the Canadian fans were sort of responding to them saying like responding to Scotland with chance of Canada and the opening ceremony, you know, was a lot of energy. Uh, It it felt really cool to be in the building. And then after the fourth end, it was done. Like (laughs) it, it, it's very simplistic uh, for me to say that the, the whole game hinged on that one shot. Because it did seem in the early ends like Brad was a little bit tentative with his line calls. They were getting hits and rolls just to not quite the right place. Like they had been the whole weekend leading up to it. And then to miss a, a draw for too heavy in a spot that he had just thrown the exact same shot. Uh, that I believe the sweepers would have told him. Okay, maybe it's keened up like a little bit since the last shot because they swept it the whole way. Um, but maybe it was because they swept it the whole way, and then he mm-hmm. thought he had to give it a bit more, uh, and, and it just went through. And after that, like the way that the Scottish team was playing that day, you weren't going to beat them if you don't miss that shot. It might have been tough to beat them if you miss it. Like eh, close the what do they say? Turn off the lights. The party's over.
0: Turn off the lights. The party's over, and. Yeah, it did seem like I I saw the video of the last shot. I did see that where I, again, I don't know how that end. I I really didn't see much of this. But just from the feel of it that it was kind of a re- sense of resignation from the crowd. That's yeah, yeah it's that's it. Uh, Bruce Mouth, those guys are too good. And you're not going to beat them. And then certainly on that last shot, just wide open hit, 4-3. The only question was, would Brad shake? And of course he did for a 9-3 final. And congratulations to Scotland. Scott, you were in the building a lot during the week, more so than perhaps other world championships, given that it was here. (laughs) Uh, Did you get the sense while you were there that Scotland was – on track because during the week, it seemed like the story was Switzerland going on that great run. They finished 11 mm-hmm. and 1. And obviously, the home side, when the event is in Canada, is going to get a lot of attention. So the Gushu team took up a lot of oxygen, particularly, I would say, losing to Norway, perhaps causing some consternation amongst the Canadian fans. But overall, 10 and 2 for Scotland going into the playoffs from where I was, again, not in the building and not really watching live, there wasn't that much chatter about them. Every time I looked at Twitter, it was about other teams. It was about, mm-hmm. oh, Italy's doing a little worse than we might have thought. Uh, S- Switzerland's doing great. Oh, this Norwegian team has got some, some legs to it. Or then when New Zealand won its game, it was like, oh, like, congratulations, New Zealand. It just seemed like there wasn't a lot of focus put on the Scottish team during the course of the week.
1: Yeah, there really wasn't. Uh, They were sort of just quietly doing their business, uh, you know, taking care of business. They lost their two games, like, relatively early, I think, uh, to Switzerland and Sweden were the two games that they lost. So they weren't, you know, surprising results that you would say, oh, geez, I can't believe they lost to those teams, right? Both pretty strong teams. And they end up finishing the week in that second spot. And really the story of the end of the week was uh, Nicholas Adin, sort of the the collapse on Friday, uh, which continued into Saturday. So you're right, I think the Scottish team really did fly under the radar. In the building, you could definitely feel their presence because the Scottish fans were so vocal and so present uh, in amongst the crowd. It was the Scottish fans were probably the second biggest contingent that I saw there. There were uh, some Swedish junior curlers that were there that were quite uh, vocal, also a pretty strong Swiss uh, contingent uh, chanting Hops vis, uh, uh over and over. Uh, it was really great, but but the Scottish fans did were sort of there the whole time. And I think maybe every time I went, Scotland was playing. So even when Canada wasn't playing and I went, Scotland was there. So maybe that's sort of clouding my my judgment a bit, but uh, that's the feeling I took away, was that uh, their fans were a little more present. So as far as them flying under the radar, like you said, yeah, they did. Uh, When you looked up at the end of the week, the way that Adin was playing at the beginning, you would have expected him to get one of those spots. Uh, And the way that Switzerland was playing, I sort of expected them to be the team that dropped down at the end of the week versus a, a Nicholas Adin. So Right. Uh you know, they, they got that by. It took full advantage. And I looked at the stats for the final Sean. Uh I said stats weird there, but uh <laughs> Mau at ninety-seven, Hardy ninety-eight, Lammy ninety-four, McMillan ninety-seven. The only shot I think Bruce Mau missed was in six. He played a takeout and rolled too far, which gave Gushu the chance to draw for two. That's the only shot he missed the whole game. It, it was it was clinical, precise. Amazing shot making. Uh, and, and something that I really think should be celebrated uh, is that, that they went out and won it. Like it wasn't mm. Team Gushu losing because of that missed draw. Right. Uh, that certainly changed how the game played out. But given how Scotland played, I don't think the outcome would have been different.
0: Yeah. I mean, the spread of 9 3. Yeah. You had another point for Canada and towards that latter part of the game, 6 4. Maybe that does change the way Brad plays the second half of the game potentially strategy wise but you're right you look at the line score and it's a line score that shows that one team won the game pretty handily and yeah. again the the stats are such that Canada played poorly it didn't nope. seem like just really matters when you miss when you're going to miss and uh, you're right uh, the two losses for Scotland relatively early the second one was to Swiss Switzerland as you said that came Tuesday night so by my math that puts them at 4 and 2 which I mean, that's not terrible, but it's not going to capture too many headlines uh, at that yeah, point of the week.
1: They're not wire to wire, you know, uh, right at, at the top of the standings. But uh, they were definitely the best team on Sunday and probably the best team all weekend other than Canada. Uh, right. So it, it made made a lot of sense that they came out on top. And Sean, I think it was like also really good story for representation with uh, Bruce Mauet being gay and open about it and uh he was being profiled on I think was it Out Sports or something um mm-hmm. so just like even having that story is really feel good uh part of this event and I think it was like uh it, it was just a really fun atmosphere even though Canada didn't didn't win
0: yeah so I, I was at the one draw on the opening Saturday night yeah it was a pretty good vibe there's good energy in the building that was a game where I think the norwegians won and there was a good norwegian crowd there going like lots of energy oh no excuse me it was the czechs uh the, the czechs, czechs won that yeah. night and uh, there was a, a small but very vocal czech contingent that i was glad i wasn't sitting next to uh given how, how loud they were but you love to see it and, uh, and lucas Klimas klima and the guys were embracing it uh, and everything that came with it there was also a pretty good uh, turkish cheering section that night, uh, they played China in a or, or China. not China, excuse me, uh, Japan in a game that nobody seemed to want to win, and uh, <laughs> that, that was sort of tough with two rookies in their first games at a World Championship, missing shots back and forth uh, to go to an extra end. But mm-hmm. it did seem like yeah, the the crowd was great. There was some cheering of misses early. I don't know if that continued through the week. Didn't really like that, but overall, the energy that night was good and. Throughout the week, it seemed to sustain, and and good job Scotland. Scott, I don't know what this actually means long term, given that we're still three years clear of the Olympic Games, but Mowat has his first now, and he has the potential to be a a multi-time world champion. I think we'd all be surprised if these guys, assuming they want to keep playing, aren't Mm -hmm. multi-time world champions so, it's really hard to project moving forward. But when you look at Scottish curling, you do have Ross White there. They're going to have to beat them in that Scottish national championship, although Scotland does have the ability to send whoever they want to a world championship. But just looking forward, you got to think these guys have a chance to be within that pantheon of greatest of all time. I know that's a lot to say early on here, but Nicodine's getting older who knows what Canada is going to do with its structure. They do have to contend with the Swiss team looks really good. The Italians are up and coming, but ultimately you look around and they're, they're in pretty good shape perhaps to, to go on a run.
1: Yeah. I think they're, they're sort of in the Eve mirror circa 2014 uh, seat, you know, uh, with a lot of experience already under their belts, World Championship, uh, as you said, they should be favorites going into the Olympics. I I believe they were favorites going into the last one, uh, just given uh, how well they were playing. Yeah, they've got a chance to really um, solidify their names, uh, should they choose to keep playing. And Mm -hmm. you say, like, Ross White is up and coming. Of course, he is. Uh, It could be that Scottish Curling finds a way for him to integrate to this team somehow. Uh, Just the way that it's going. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think they'll be around for the long haul and should be, you know, right now in 2023, uh, maybe the favorites for 2026 uh, at the Olympics.
0: Well, let's look at the other side of that gold medal game. Brad Gushu, Team Canada, they win silver. That would be their third silver, silver medal at the World Championships. Been to four. Got to the gold medal game each time. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Tom Brady type territory. Just uh, always getting to the, the championship game. I mean, Tom Brady is a better winning percentage in the finals than Brad Gushu does in world finals, but that is quite an accomplishment. An emotional Brad Gushu on Sunday after that game. A really cool photo, too, of Mark Nichols taking a photo of his kids with, I can't remember who it was, but that kind of a cool moment too. So, you know, the families are all there. You got the deharnan brothers together, Jeff Walker and uh, his family. It, 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 I don't know this, this team, it's weird. None of them are old by any means, but you look back at Brad Gushu and Mark Nichols winning that gold medal in 2006. And then now they got their families there and older than they were, obviously more mature perhaps and have, The ability to put it all into a certain level of perspective, and who knows if Gucci will win another briar. Get back to this, but nothing to sneeze at for them over the week. He was the highest percentage skip during the round robin, and Curling Canada has talked about how there is a gender divide in the reaction on Twitter and social media at world championships. So you know, let's acknowledge that that's the case. But overall, it seemed like the fan response to Brad Gushu was generally
1: pretty positive. Well, I think that's got a lot to do with Brad Gushu, Sean, and he's been around in the curling world for, you know, almost 20 years. Uh, He's a name that everybody knows. I don't think you're going to find a lot of people sitting around a curling uh, facility at the end of the night, talking to other curlers who are going to have a lot of, I hate Brad Gushu. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He's just, seems a likable guy. Uh, He's media savvy, but in a way that doesn't seem maybe as calculated as other Mm. uh, professional athletes. Right. He's, he's a, you know, a, a boy from the rock and how can you root against that? Right. So that perception has been built over a period of 20 years when it was Brendan Botcher at the worlds that was trying to get Canada qualified for the Olympics and, you know, not making, not earning a medal. Uh, I think people reacted in a similar way that they did when the women were not performing maybe as well as you would expect. So I think that the reaction to Brad Gushu has the most to do with Brad Gushu, uh, as a player himself, um, Mm -hmm. and most people's positive outlook on him.
0: Yeah, and I I agree that most people, I think, do have a very positive perception of Brad Gushu. You do wonder, too, about moving forward physically. I noticed, it (laughs) seemed to me, the night I was there, that he was limping a little bit as he was walking around after shots. And he did talk about during the briar that that he's not or wasn't at 100% early in that event. So see what the summer brings for him. And obviously, I think he would like to do another cycle and try to get back to the Olympics. Mm-hmm. but post 2026 who knows he's been on TV before seems that that's uh, potentially an avenue for him moving forward we'll have to certainly see how that goes but again another good week for him he's got four world championship medals and four appearances nothing to sneeze at as you said on the bronze medal side the Swiss beat the Italians a bit of a blow there on Sunday morning 11 to 3 so Yannick Schwaller is on the board with a world championship medal. Another strong posting for the Italian side as they continue to build their program leading into those 2026 Olympic Games. Scott, anything from that bronze medal game or those two teams who competed in the bronze medal game?
1: Yeah, I think this is, uh, we talked in our preview Sean of who can win and I said Switzerland and you were a little less uh, convinced of that yeah uh, I'll say they showed up this week they played really 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 well save for that bronze medal game yeah but the, they had a very strong week it was nice to see Yannick Schwaller uh, you know really uh, adapting to that role of throwing the third stones uh, he was the top third stone thrower all week uh, and you got Benoit Schwartz, who's a, you know, a longtime fourth stone thrower. Uh, it seemed to work really, really well. It gave me some vibes of Tiranzoni, Zoni, you know, once she got Alina Pats, was able to sort of focus on the strategy of the game and not throwing that last rock. And it's really worked out for them. I mean, <laughs> they've yeah. won four in a row. Yep. That's sort of what I took away from Switzerland. From the Italian side, uh, probably not as strong a week as they would have liked overall still made it into that bronze medal game in the qualification game. They beat uh, Norway, uh, who we, we'll talk about in a second. But uh, like you say, they're building. I did walk by Mo Sanner and he's tall, man. <laughs> he's a big dude. I, he's I'm a pretty really tall. Big dude. And I was like, oh man, this guy's tall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, a, a good week for Italy overall. Uh, they'll be happy, I think, with uh, with the results but the process is what's more important for them.
0: Yeah, and you look at some of those numbers for them, they were 51% hammer efficiency, 51% on the force efficiency. You like to see that latter number a little bit higher. Sweden yeah. led the field in force efficiency at 69%, and the teams that finished ahead of them were in the finals were all better in that respect. Mm-hmm. They were plus 25 on the week for plus minus. That's pretty good, but they started without the hammer in nine of the 15 games they played, so you, you certainly want the hammer more off. Now, a couple of those are playoffs and are out of their hands, but that's something that you're going to be looking at moving forward for them to improve. Mm-hmm. A couple tough losses for them. That loss to Norway, 9-8, is going to sting a little bit given that you win that game. Then maybe you're bringing Norway down to a third loss. You're at three yeah. losses. Maybe that gives you a chance to move up and be in a better spot into the playoffs, but yeah, uh, certainly a program that is on the rise for Italy and the Swiss Yannick Schwaller. You're right, better than perhaps I made given them credit for. But to be fair, when I said that three teams could win, it would mean that one team that I didn't think could win would have to be in the semifinals because that's how the math works. Uh, there was two in the semifinals and both of them lost. So yeah, it, it's uh, again, they're really, really good. It's just, I still think there's just that bit of a gap. Maybe it closed a little bit this week on the Swiss side. As I say, the Italians are ascendant. I just want to see it a little more. And, and I'll be curious to see how next season goes. Both those teams should be in all the slams. They should, they they are at that yeah. point now that they yeah. should be comfortably into those fields. So it'll be fun to see. The other two playoff teams that we lost in the quarter-not-quarterfinals were Sweden and Norway. Great week for Norway, going 10-2. and Wins, as I said, over the Italians. It beat the Canadians over the course of the week. Their only losses were to Scotland and to Switzerland in the round robin. A wonderful week for them. We saw it with Kristen Skaslian getting silver medal on the women's side. And now a very strong showing on the men's side is Norwegian curling back. Scott. I,
1: I mean, sure. I guess you could say it's back. I, I'm like very, uh, I I was sort of thinking of Norway as the most, maybe uh what do they call it? A, a paper tiger mm. uh, in there. They got early wins against Canada and so- Sweden I think so they sort of padded their resume on that and then none of their games were like super super decisive again except their game against New Zealand I guess Um, they played Turkey in the last round robin draw and it was pretty close now Norway had already wrapped up I think the the third spot so you know they weren't really playing for all that much but yeah they they seemed beatable all week uh like you said their hammer efficiency was only 47 percent they really got by on mistakes from other teams so i wasn't that surprised to see italy come in as the number six seed and beat them in the qualification game for sweden they had one loss all week until friday yeah lost a game to switzerland that i w- i went to this game and i was bored and like <laughs> <laughs> that like it was good teams playing, yeah. But it was very not taking any chances. Right. Uh Nicholas Adine cracked a two in I believe it was the seventh or eighth, and I was like, "Well, now they're up. It'll be fine." It, it was nice outside, and <laughs> and I was uh, like, when Canada wasn't playing, there was not a lot of juice in the building. Sure. So even though that it was a great game in theory between two teams at the top of the standings, I, uh, I was like thinking of what, what storylines can I talk about from this game? Like who would I actually want to talk to regardless of who won, who would I want to talk to after the game? And there was really nothing interesting. I don't think to be said, like Hmm. if, if uh, Sweden had lost fine, fine. Whatever they're playing Canada that night, that's the the focus, right? Right. They did end up losing in a, a weird way to uh to, to the Swiss, getting giving up like a steal in the last end. Anyway. So that game it was sort of like I when I left, I was like, they're fine, they look good, they'll be okay. By the time I was watching the them play Canada that night, uh Eric Eric or Oscar Erickson looked like he had lost his mojo. Hmm. I, I don't know exactly what happened, but he was rolling out on hits. He was throwing runbacks and missing. Very un Oscar Erickson like stuff. So then, you know, Canada sort of builds this big lead on, you know, a couple really key shots and then uh, a big four were able to separate uh, themselves. A little bit more down the road and they got a relatively easy victory and you think okay well you know sweden's going to come back the next day and it'll be a different game and it really wasn't like ericsson was still not that good uh, in the qualification game so that was the real difference that i saw uh, in that team was that oscar ericsson just seemed to uh, lose it at the end of the week I don't know if it was uh, they talked a lot in the game about his stones not being matched in that last in the last round robin draw when they went to the the next sheet over because they played on D on Friday night and then they played on C for the qualification game. Russ was also wondering about the matching of stones on that sheet. Canada got the had the red stones in that game and kept the red stones Throughout the weekend, uh, they seemed to really like the stones that they had settled on, but they had to play with the, the, the stones from sheet C on in the qualification game and the semifinals. So I don't know if what it was like. Erickson was at, down at seventy-seven percent uh, for the four-five game. Adine, as a consequence, had much tougher shots and also played really poorly. So you wonder about the stones, you wonder about, uh, yeah, but that's your fault. I, like, I,
0: I, I don't know if the stones aren't matched in the playoffs, even though you have to use the stones on the sheet, that's your fault. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, you, you know, you're, you should be at the point where you can match those stones by the end of the week. Yeah. If it's Saturday night, opening draw, sure they're not matched yet. That's fine. But it's the end of the week. You've played on that sheet. You've seen them. You've had the chance to practice during the course of the week. You have the coaches and the fifths go out every night and get to throw. If they're not matched, that's on you. And sure, you know I'm not gonna have any of that. Uh, And you lost nine to one. Yeah, yeah. You didn't didn't play well. uh, You're out. So, uh, you know, I'm surprised certainly that that was the case. That uh, they went out in the way that they did, losing those last three games. But. It happens sometimes. They did win four straight world championships so and, yeah, and an exactly. Olympic gold medal in that time. So you're not going to win them all, even though it seemed like a while, for a while they would. And that Sylvana Tiranzoni is trying to prove that wrong, too, mm-hmm. uh, on the women's side. But, uh, yeah, certainly a wonderful run for them does come to an end here in Ottawa. Elsewhere, though, maybe the one thing that will be most remembered... From this world championship is a shot that Nicholas Adine did make against the Norwegians. Yes, in the tenth end, a spinner to a gear for two that might not have been there or didn't certainly did not look like it was there in the hack. As you're looking from the above, the stone that he has to move is angled in a weird. I'm sure everyone has seen this by this point that the angle of the freeze made it seem like no, not going to happen. But for as much as we make fun of the gear, this is actually the gear and yeah. it it really did come into play. Russ immediately called it the greatest shot he's ever seen. Kathy was not quite as effusive in the language she used, but was very amazed by it. I think I was okay. It's, impre- it's one of the craziest shots you're ever going to see. Because to throw that with any accuracy, to throw a spinner with accuracy is incredibly difficult. Yeah. But I had seen the, the clip I saw was prefaced with greatest shot of all time. And then I was I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be... And it, it was amazing. Is that the greatest shot of all time, given that it's the middle of the week and a round robin? I don't know. Just circumstance playing to it. This, hey, you know what just happened? Another summer show idea. Thank you, Twitter spiel, yes. for that. But Scott, did you, I obviously didn't see it live because it was the middle of the night where I was mm-hmm. and I saw it on Twitter the next morning having breakfast. Did you see this live?
1: Yeah. So I was watching it on the TV in my office. That's yeah. to the side of my desk. Uh, but I was in a meeting. So I didn't have the sound on. And I did look over and go like, oh, they don't have anything. And then <laughs> I was like back on the meeting, you know, paying attention uh, working hard. And, uh, when the meeting was over, I looked back and they were like replaying the shot or they were still playing. And I was like, how did they go to an extra? (laughs) What is going on? So yeah, it, it was, uh, pretty incredible, very innovative and something that, yeah, we'll definitely talk in the summer about greatest shots of all time. It definitely has a chance to be one of those most replayed shots of all time. Yes. You know, if you think about uh, Al Hackner and the shot, Mm -hmm. that's been replayed again and again and again and again. And, you know, when you think about it now, like, whatever, it's just a double takeout, like, big deal. But...
0: Yeah, circumstance.
1: Circumstance, right? And in this one, I think what would have elevated it would be if it had won the game for Sweden because they didn't win the game. And I, I think, you know, you can... Think about, oh, wow, that's an incredible shot, but at the end of the day, like they still lost. So if he would missed the shot, whatever, it, it would have been the same outcome.
0: Yeah, and it's one of these things, too, that I really wonder if he's down one there, does he throw it and try to win, right? that that That's sort of the, the big question for me. Yes. The fact yeah. that he's down two and, and has really no other that's- option, that's the only way that the game can continue. You have to throw it. The other thing that I think is curious, too, all the, these spinners that I've seen, and Oscar Erickson tried one, and I think successfully had one earlier in the season, is it's on the intern. I think it's a little easier on the intern. And I wonder if for a team like Nicodine, who obviously practices this, in that late game scenario with the hammer, where you might have a situation like this, they're setting up the end on the intern side, just in case this is potentially gonna be an option. Because on the outturn, I think it's a little harder to get that much rotation without cranking your wrist to the point where you're going to dump it a little bit or flip it inside. The outturn feels a little more natural to me. You have a little more wrist movement from the in to the outside. Uh, So I I do kind of wonder about that, but uh, really an incredible shot. And you're right. It's going to be replayed a ton. It was really fun to see, and especially because... You love it. And this isn't just a, a rust thing. Whenever a commentator just goes, nope, not there. That's not going to yeah. happen. And then it happens. That's always a lot of fun. It kind of <laughs> yeah. reminds me of the Glenn Howard shot, too, where they're like, oh, is this there? And, and Glenn even says, in turn or out turn, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> just throw it. And then they make the shot. So yeah. it's it kind of goes in that Glenn Howard category for me. Incredible shot. Now, the Glenn Howard shot won the game that he was playing versus this taking it to an extra, but a shot straight around Robin, super fun, replay it a whole ton. Greatest of all time. I don't know. I think circumstance matters, which is why the Jennifer Jones in off or the Sandra Schmurler in off, like those ones are super duper impressive, even though we see that type of shot a little more frequently. So I don't know. Again, fun summer idea and an incredible shot. And I did see on social media that Mike McEwen went to uh, the local club and said he made two out of 10 When he set up
1: the same thing, which is pretty, uh, pretty impressive, pretty impressive. Yeah. But uh, even even to go and try it, like I think that's we're going to see a lot of club curlers, you know, trying this kind of thing. try this better. Yeah. I mean, it'll be it'll be fun to see. And then Nicodine did throw one in his last shot against Brad Gushu on Saturday. Yeah. Saturday in the semifinal. And the crowd went nuts for it. So, sure. and Ho oh, Hum, by the way, he still made a double takeout with it, even though <laughs> it didn't get him any points. It was just like, oh, I just threw this for fun. And right. I got a double takeout, even though the other team still stole two. It was like uh, <laughs> pretty fun. Right. Jeff Stout had the spinner
0: when he was uh, out of it in a game. And now yeah. Nicodine does too, just a, a different version of it. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that was uh, a really fun thing to come out of this. Overall, seems like the event was pretty good. You're looking at a total attendance of just under 76,000 over the course of the week. Obvious bumps on the weekends and when Canada was playing pretty light early in the week, especially those morning draws. Most attended draw, not the final, but in fact that Friday night game where Sweden and Canada were playing each other. 6,500, packed house there at Mm -hmm. the arena at TD Place on Friday night. Good job, Ottawa. Don't say that too, too often around these parts, but uh, good job, Ottawa, on hosting. Seemed like a good time, Scott. The patch is always a big issue here on the events in Ottawa because at the 2017 Olympic Trials, you had to get on buses to go over to the patch when it was at Canadian Tire Place, Center, whatever it's called, (laughs) the uh, the garage, if you will.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) This time, just uh, you know, a few steps away from the entrances at the Aberdeen Pavilion. Did you make your way into the patch at all?
1: Sean, I did make my way into the patch a couple times. I have uh, some comments about the patch. I think that there were a lot of really great things about the patch. It was uh, close to the venue, as you said. Uh, there was a lot of room in there. There was a big stage, real bathrooms, from yeah. what I'm told. Uh, not uh, portalettes, uh, great there was tons of stuff to do there was a cool shots curling there was like a big inflatable thing where you could throw some curling rocks there were places to pose with tractors you know for pictures nice I'll always like that uh, the up and personals were there uh, really really good where i'll say that the patch failed me was the beer selection was garbage sure um now that they have sponsors that they have to uh, adhere to, but it was really bad and it was very expensive. Hmm. Um, it, it was $11 for a bad can of beer. Wow. And it honestly dissuaded me from going Right, more than I did because I was like, eh, whatever. Yeah. There, and that's, that's
0: tough in that spot because if anyone's yeah. ever been to the new Lansdowne Park, this is not Lansdowne Park from 15 years ago where it was just a parking lot. There is some stuff to do there. And the place directly across from the Aberdeen Pavilion, I very much enjoy. And you can get a pint there for 6.50 dollars 50 of yeah. pretty good stuff. And if the weather was nice-ish, they had heaters outside. I'm sure they tried to open up their patio a little bit they at did. some point when the city was not covered in ice, uh, which I'm very glad yes. I missed, by the way. <laughs> uh, um, it's, you know, it, it, if that's the case, yeah, you, I think you got to take into account a little bit the, the spot you're in because you're surrounded by bars mm-hmm. in this case. Like, yeah. at some point, you
1: got to acknowledge that. Yeah, for sure. And I know, like I say, I know they have sponsors that they have to make happy, but the, the selection was such that I would rather go somewhere else. So, sure. if but like, other than that, it was great. There was lots to do. Lots of uh, space to meet people. Uh, Ran into Dean on the scene there. Uh, You know, ran into a few other people from uh, the Ottawa Curling Club. So a a great space. It just didn't have enough to make me want to go more.
0: And that's too bad because it should be you should want to go to uh, to the patch. But again, you know, the circumstances with the circumstances. So Scott, anything else from the 2023 Men's
1: World Curling Championship? Um, I don't think so. Not from not from the event. Uh, overall, I had a good time. Glad it was here in Ottawa. And uh, next time, I think I would take off some time from work yeah. to be able to fully immerse myself.
0: Uh, yeah, and uh, as I said, though, or as I'm sure most people know, or at least people in the eastern part of the country know, there was an ice storm at some point. Did that affect anything? Uh, I did see someone tweeted that there were buckets on the concourse getting leakage and there was an issue a few years ago mm-hmm. at that facility with a leaky roof. Didn't seem like there was a, yeah. an issue with the ice surface at all, but in terms of getting around the
1: city. Yeah. Well, yeah, it dissuaded me actually from going one night, like the night that it happened. I, I was mm-hmm. planning to go. Uh, it was the Wednesday night. Uh, I forget who they were playing Wednesday night, but uh yeah, I had planned to go. Our teammate uh, Jesse was going to be there, and so that was my plan. And because of the ice storm, I decided right. not to go, and I decided to stay home. Uh, and I went on Thursday night instead, uh, where they played Scotland and and lost to them. Canada played Scotland, that is, and uh, so yeah, it did impact uh, my plans for the week. But you know, it was it was melted pretty much by the next right. afternoon it was just like really bad for a lot of people losing power some people i know in gatineau like had no power right. for 5 days and was just uh, really bad and cleaning up like even walking around the glebe parking by the way was not good no. for this event but walking around the glebe there's even on sunday there's lots of trees mm. still down limbs scattered everywhere that you know were just waiting to be cleaned up because there yes. was so much.
0: Yeah, and that's the only evidence yeah. that I saw when I got back, is that there's some trees on the ground. But it seems like everybody's been reconnected on power. Yes, bit of a scary situation to to read about when you're gone. But I've often said that uh, the time of year where I was out is a good time of year to be out of Ottawa because you're going to miss that last storm. And uh, looking at the forecast, seems like it did this year. And uh, But glad that it yes. didn't affect the event too, too much. Still, saw 2,900 people or the attendance is listed as 2,900 for that Wednesday night. But uh, I believe they go tickets sold as opposed to actual people who show up at the draws. So who knows how accurate that number is in terms of people in the seats. But good uh, good to know that we didn't have a leakage situation affect the play on the ice at the World Championship. So everyone now moving on to Toronto for the Players' Championship. Allegedly, that event has started. There is not much video evidence uh, of that being the case, I guess, to be fair to Sportsnet. Baseball's fully in swing, and their pucks are about to hit the playoffs, and basketball playoffs are starting. I don't know who is the game tonight. Does the Raptors take on the Bulls in the playing tournament? But uh, a lot going on, so coverage of that will start on Thursday, as is typical for that some discussion we'll talk about this uh, at another point but the idea of best on best being something that should end the season and the players being the best on best event uh, is it you know it's the best playing the four other teams in their pool but we could certainly talk about that and from all accounts i've heard that the championship is champions cup is going away next year so lots of changes on the horizon but that is all for the summer so do subscribe as we will talk about that in the forecoming months, one of our favorite times of year to talk about the big issues in the sport. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, likes, rates, comments, all that good stuff. It really helps us out. You can head on over to gamestonespod.com, All of our past episodes there, plus a link to the merch. Lots of good stuff on that merch tab. I've been using my mug a lot at work, so uh, nice. you know, check out the options that we have available and of course you can follow with everything we got going on on social media at gamestones pod on twitter and instagram gamestones podcast on facebook and reach out let us know what you want to hear on the show gamestones podcast at gmail.com scott the weather has
1: turned spring is here what's on your mind so one last thing before we go we got an email from uh yeah. jerry hermans uh our friend in uh over at curling Zempst in uh Belgium. The, yeah. In Belgium, right. So uh he wanted me to to reach out to to everyone and say that they're putting on the 4th Golden Carolus Classic, May 19th to 21st at the club. Uh you can get uh a link for it. We'll put it in the show notes, Sean. Who will. And uh Golden Carolus is one of the brands that the brewery uh that uh, helps sponsor the event. So uh, three days of good curling uh, before the end of nice. the year. We are, I I will not be able to go because I'm going to be in Europe, but for work. So it'll be uh, too bad, too bad. Yeah,
0: and uh, Jerry's played in the World Seniors, which I believe is kicking off soon-ish in a couple weeks. I don't know. I, I haven't looked at the rosters yet to know who's going and, and what will be there. But uh, yeah, that spiel from all accounts is, is a really good time. So yeah, check out the show notes below. I will put that down there. And thanks to Jerry for setting that up or, or, or letting us know about that. And of course, if you got Spiels you want us to talk about, do you want to promo, especially if they're sponsored by breweries. We are interested in them. So uh, do feel free to yes. reach out and we will talk about them on future episodes, perhaps even next week when we join you again. So until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that in turn.
1: The final.